Welcome to the Business of Beers podcast. This is the place where we help entrepreneurs expand their business, build their wealth, and generate passive income. I'm your host, Brian Beers, an entrepreneur who's on a mission to inspire growth from everyone around me. Remember that you need to take the action others won't, and you can live the life that others don't. Please be sure to check out my weekly newsletter that now drops every Thursday. It includes one quote, one tweet, one podcast recommendation, plus some business and investing insight from me. It's short and it's sweet. My goal is to provide you with just a couple gold nuggets to help inspire your growth. Go to brianbeers.com to subscribe. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm excited today to bring you Carlos Rovera. Carlos is a real estate investor and owns a full-service property management company down in Miami. Welcome to the show, Carlos. What's up, Brian? Happy to be here. Awesome. Humbled. Cool. So to start, do you mind giving us a little bit of your journey? Uh, maybe start at 18 years old or so uh, down in Miami and then kind of to where we're at today? Yeah, yeah. 18. Uh, see, what was I doing at 18? I was in college at the University of Miami, studying engineering. I grew up uh, my entire life in Miami, uh, born into a Cuban, Cuban American family. So I lived in Miami my whole life. Um, got my, my degree in 2008 from, uh, from the university of Miami in software engineering and went straight into the workforce, put on my big boy pants and, and went in and worked into the tech industry. Uh, I got a job at Yahoo the Monday after graduation, didn't, didn't even take a day off. <laughs> uh, so so anyways, I, you know, I get into the workforce and this is 2008. So the, 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 the economy is just, you know, on a downward spiral and, um, like six months into my, my, uh, my, you know, my working there, like the entire office or half the office gets laid off like this mass oh layoff. And it was a huge, kind of a huge eye opening experience, obviously, cause I, you know, I was young and I thought that, you know, once you graduated from college and studied something that was worthwhile and got a job at a, at a good, well-known company that you were pretty much set for life. Um, that's obviously not, not the case. Um, so it was a big reality check for me. Um, you know, to see people just get fired in one day, you know, people who had been working at a company for, you know, 15 years, Mm -hmm. just get, you know, pack up and leave. Um, it was traumatic to say the least. Uh, I, I I was lucky I didn't get fired that day because I was, I guess I was just, you know, one of the lowest paid employees and, you know, new, new guy. Mm -hmm. And and I, you know, I'm a hard worker. So, um, I guess they kept me around and, and I never, I never got laid off, but you know, that sort of led me down a path of, of learning and I discovered real estate and I discovered uh, the power, the wealth building power of real estate and how you can essentially, you know, build this portfolio of, of income producing property uh, that produces income for you, whether you're working or not. And, you know, passive income isn't really passive most of the time. I mean, there's a lot of work that goes goes into managing a, a rental portfolio, but, you know, in theory, there's nothing, you can't really get fired from that. And, um, you know, you can easily replace yourself and still benefit from, from that, that income. It's not like a, a, having a job at a company or once you quit, you're done yep. or once yep. you get fired, you're done. So, yeah, I mean, I, I became sort of intoxicated with this idea of just building a rental portfolio. Uh, my wife and I bought a duplex when we first got married and, um, we house hacked it. So we, we, we lived in one side and we rented out the other. So that was very helpful to sort of build up the, uh, the savings, uh, to, to continue buying. And, you know, we just kept buying duplexes and little multifamily properties before we knew it. we had a, a nice little portfolio and, um, you know, it, it became sort of a waste of time at that point to have a job. So, um, you know, left my W2 job in 2016 
never looked back, been investing since then. Um, and more recently, I've been buying some larger stuff. I, I partnered up with a with somebody uh, with my partner who's now my partner in Kansas City, Missouri, and we've been buying some larger uh, commercial properties. So we can get into that as well. If, yeah, yeah, like, awesome. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and 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 then surrounding all of this is my property management company. I you know I came to the conclusion years into trying to. I hired a bunch of property managers, two, three, four different companies that kind of screwed me over. So I, I, I eventually just decided to start my own property management company, which then services the, the entire portfolio. Um, so that's kind of what awesome. keeps me busy. Cool. Tons of great stuff to unpack there. I guess uh, my first question uh, is, what's your favorite Cuban restaurant? Oh, uh, La Carreta. I've been going there since I was a little kid. Uh, the one on Bird Road. That's okay, the I've been there. One. Yeah, but you're coming. <laughs> you're leaving the airport, going like south, right towards my south. Towards the UM. Yep, and it's, you turn left, and it's yeah, it's right there. Yeah, that's the one where that you know there's they, they rally every time Fidel Castro dies because he's died like seven times in my okay. lifetime. Yeah, and uh, that's <laughs> that's usually where you go when Fidel dies. Okay, so yeah, yeah, awesome. So what, um, how many units do you own today? I guess what's the breakdown look like turns residential and some of these bigger, bigger deals? Yeah. Great question. We have, okay. So I think we have about 200 units under management right now. I would say probably about half of those, maybe about 80 units of those are, are third party. So we manage for other people. And then the rest are either units that my wife and I own a hundred percent, or we've syndicated and own a percentage of with a group of other investors. Okay. And a lot of those are in Miami or some of these bigger ones out in the Midwest. What's that look like geographically? Pretty much, I've pretty much sold out on everything I own in Miami. Uh, the, just the market here has appreciated so so much mm. that it's sort of foolish to not to not sell. Uh, so I've, I've rolled most of the equity that I built up in the Miami portfolio into a, a portfolio in Kansas City, Missouri. So I'm I'm, I'm heavy in that market. Um, it's still relatively expensive. You can still find decent decently cash flowing properties. So we're we're in there and we've, you know, we've developed a team there and, and, you know, for the foreseeable future until, until the deals dry up, we're, we're in that market. Yep. Okay. Yeah. One of the things you said, I, I thought was interesting is like, you know, passive income's not really passive. And I, I've been thinking about this a lot lately too. And I, I've come up with these, like, there's like four buckets, I think, right. Of, of like passivity. I think the, the top is someone who's pure, like a pure passive investor. So this would be someone, I guess, probably as an LP in one of your deals, right? They give you money and then that they're done. Right. So for them, it is truly passive. You know, then there's this other one that's like you, you do a whole bunch of upfront work. Maybe you got to go buy like a triple net lease property or something. There's a whole bunch of due diligence you got to do. Right. But then once you do it and it's all set up and it's funded, then it just cash flows. Right. And, th- and then there's this one I, I think that's like a 50 50. It's kind of like this is why I think re- residential properties, it's like a pendulum that swings where, you know, sometimes when you own rentals, there's like a ton of work you got to do, you know, with unit turns and tenant turnover and, evictions and all this, this stuff, right? And then there's other days you probably get no calls and it's and it feels more passive. And then finally, I think the lowest level is, is just kind of leverage where you're looking to expand your business. And this is probably more kind of your your realm where you've, you've already got all this work, right? These units under management. So you go and add another, you know, 20 units or something. Like you're not, you're not spending any more hours. Like you're still working the same amount of hours, but now you got more income coming in. So it's it's kind of passive because it kind of folds into your your systems, right? Yeah, I mean, as long as you're involved in the management of the portfolio, it's not never really passive because there's always going to be something. Like you said, though, it is kind of like a like a cyclical 
workload. I mean, if you're if you're early on in an acquisition and you're in, and you're a value add investor, which is what we are, we buy underperforming things and we turn them around. In the beginning, when you first acquire or when you first take on the property, there's always a whole bunch of messes that you inherit and that you have to fix. So there's kind of like this very like uh, it's like this marathon that you run in the beginning where you're plugging up holes and you're improving different things and you're fixing different problems. And then it sort of levels off and it becomes more passive, never 100% passive, because if you're, if you're the property manager, like we are, we're, you know, we're actively collecting rents and maintaining and dealing with maintenance issues. But yeah, the, the brunt of the work is always in the beginning. If you do it right. I mean, if you're, if you're adding the value, you say you're going to add to the properties then you're going to have a whole bunch of work in the beginning and then it sort of levels off. But since we're always buying deals, I feel like we're always in the, in the value add stage because just as soon as I finish one, I'm already right. moving on to the next one. So, you know, we're never really passive at the end of the day. And do you still live in Miami? Yeah, live in Miami. Okay. And then you have partners that are in Kansas City? My partner, Alfredo, lives in Kansas City. Uh, he moved up there. He's actually a Miami guy. He, he moved up there because his wife went to go do her PhD up in Kansas City. So it's an interesting coincidence. And, um, so we just, we partnered up, he, he was working at the uh, university up there in like a fundraising role. So when I met him, I told him, look, man, you're good at raising money. I can find deals and manage them. Let's try to put our heads together and buy some larger stuff. Uh, so we've been, we've been, we've been at it for about a year and a half and we picked up three, three, uh, commercial properties that were actively in the value add stage, uh, in, and, uh, you know, we're looking to do more deals hopefully this year. So what's what's your role in the company? You you finding the deal, negotiating because you're you're remote, right? You're not hands on there. Yeah, cool, good question. So we're my, my company is the property management company. Uh, we have a third partner. His name is Jake. Who sort of we've 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 offloaded the underwriting of new deals uh, to him. Alfredo, sort of the 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 he's for sure the the money guy. He raises the money, brings the investors, um, and then he's he's boots on the ground. So if there's a major issue, I always just call Alfredo. We handle the property management from from the back office perspective. So all of the rental in, uh, the rental collections and the, the processing of maintenance yep. issues and accounting, everything gets done out of Miami. And then we have two employees that we hired in Kansas City that sit in our buildings, and then they're the ones that we delegate uh, anything that needs to be needs, needs to have a physical presence for. Okay. Do they do the on-site maintenance and like physical things or just more they're like the people to go change locks or like do little things. They, they're more the the coordinators of that sort of stuff. So uh, we have another okay. another maintenance guy that we call who deals with all our maintenance but the, the these property managers will be the ones to call the maintenance guy and be on top of that sort of stuff and then take tenant requests and you know meet with meet with different vendors and stuff when we have work that needs to be done. They're the boots on the ground yep. essentially. Yeah, I think that the big thing to keep in mind with a lot of the, this real estate is a team sport, right? You need you need different people with different skill sets. Uh, and it sounds yeah. like for for you, it's probably the back office and the team and kind of the, the numbers guy for a sense of it. Is that pretty much? Yeah, I mean, you know, we 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 direct and we we delegate accordingly. We look at the bigger picture. We're also the asset manager, so we we're looking at you know a holistic view of of the property. Um, and yeah, I mean, on the employee side, I never again. It, it's not really passive income. Now we have a team of people that we, we have to actively manage. So there's, <laughs> there's work yeah, there. Sure. Well. Yeah. Yeah. For you guys, it's, it's a job. It's for the, the investors it, that it's passive. Like that's, exactly. uh, and th- that's the, that's the benefit. Like I'm a passive investor in a bunch of deals. And that's why, that's what I do is because I don't have the time to do what you're doing to, to find properties, to manage, to, to do all that stuff. I'd rather right. focus my time on my business to grow it and then take some of that income 
right? And invest it with people who can be 100% dedicated to, you know, 40, 50, 60 hours a week, whatever it takes to make it successful. So exactly. That's, like, that's a big differentiator for, you know, once again, it's it's like the team and, and what role each person plays. So what's what's the office look like? Is it is it remote employees for you? Or is it is everybody in person in Miami? What's um curious on that? Yeah, I mean, we're a small team. My wife and I, uh, we sit in Miami, she's our COO, so she she manages the employees. Um they so she and I sit in, in Miami. We have a virtual assistant who answers the phone. And then we have our two employees that sit in Kansas City in the buildings in, in Kansas City. And then Alfredo is, you know, he's a floater. Yeah. He he's, he sits in Kansas City as well. Good, good. What's your what's your strategy for for finding properties, or what's what's like your ideal thing to buy? Is it is it focused more on commercial? Is it worth picking up more these smaller things if they fit into your existing systems? What does that look like? On the personal side, I mean, I'm still buying duplexes as they as they pop up if they're you know if they're worth if the cash flow is good. That's that's on the personal side. On the syndication business, obviously, it, it's not really worth it to buy duplexes. Um, so we're, we're doing larger deals. We started off in multi looking for multifamily, but man, you know, everybody wants multifamily nowadays. So the, mm-hmm. just, it's just so difficult. Yeah. If you don't have those existing broker relationships, then it's kind of hard to break through to that. So we, we, we sort of ended up, uh, repositioning into commercial, into office buildings, believe it or not, in the middle of a pandemic, when everybody's working from home, uh, we decided to start buying office buildings. Just because the deals were there, right? I mean, the, those okay. were the most distressed commercial properties at the time. And you're syndicating and those? We're syndicating them. It's it's definitely been challenging, one, to convince investors to buy office buildings. Uh, and two, the leasing, man, the leasing efforts has been crazy. It's just so difficult. For uh, Probably for every 20 leads we get, we'll get one person submit an application. Mm. Um, so that's been a real hustle and Alfredo has been awesome at that. He handles leasing cause he's, he's in market and man, yeah. he's, he's been awesome at, at following yeah. up and finding tenants and canvassing. And so can you walk me through one of those deals? I, I think I've seen you post on LinkedIn about it or you're taking these buildings and like, they look pretty good too. Like some of the work you've been doing to them. Yeah. I mean, it's. The, the the properties have been so inexpensive. Like we bought one that were that was a twenty four thousand square foot office building built in the nineteen seventies. It's kind of have like that has like old like concrete block type yeah. uh, construction. Really ugly, really boring looking building. Uh, we bought it for three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. It's so cheap. Uh, I mean, my house in Miami isn't. You can't buy a house in Miami for less than a million bucks nowadays. It's yeah. just ridiculous. Uh, so it just it was just so 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 inexpensive, but the you know the building was derelict. I mean, there were crackheads living in it. This one guy had like overrun the property, and he was renting out to all his buddies. And there was like, you know, a homeless guy living in one section of it. So we we had to really we had to vacate the building, which was difficult, and then basically renovate the whole thing. Uh, so we raised three fifty. We 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 bought it for three fifty, and then we raised an additional three fifty to do the renovations. So we're all in for about seven hundred grand. And um, we're we're basically done with the renovation already, and uh, we have already. I think we're at like a twelve percent leased in about a month and a half that we've been that we've been leasing. So you know we're hopeful that by the end of the year we can be in a position where we could just cash out, refinance, pay back the investors, and and then have a, you know a nicely cash flowing building. Okay. That was an extreme case. I mean, we bought another one that was like seventy percent occupied that was already more or less stabilized. We bought it at a seven cap. And then it was just a, a leasing play 
uh, and we've been filling it up. We're, we're almost at 100% occupancy. I think we all, I think we hit 90 recently. Okay. Um, in, in that the uh, the derelict building there, what do you expect that to cash flow once it's you know occupied in the dude, 90s? I, I, I had a, a conservative cap rate of 16%, which is crazy. Um, and I was using like pretty conservative numbers for expenses. I'm pretty sure the expenses are going to be a, a, a lot lower and, and, and very low rents. I mean, we're, we're charging 10 bucks a foot. Um, when office re office real estate in that market is 13, 14 bucks a foot. So we're literally the cheapest building in Kansas city and, and newly renovated and kind of, it's and, like a hip, more hip style, right? With bright colors. Right. And Ex exactly. So, I mean, I think, I think we're positioned to win on that one. I mean, we just have to be patient and really put a lot of effort into leasing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I can't remember the actual cash flow numbers off the top of my head, but I remember 16 cap, 16% cap rate was, was it. And pretty sure we can probably double the value of the, of the building, the $700,000 investment just by getting the thing leased up and refinanced. So, yep. so is that, is you going to continue down that path or is this kind of like a, a little risk reward trying to play to see where, where it falls? What's your, your plan yeah, there. that that was a risk reward. Um, that building has taken a lot out of us. It was it, it was hard. Um, I don't know that it was the first. Off. Was it the first no, one too? That was the second one. Okay. Uh, we have a third one that is more of a retail, uh, like a triple net property that was that was just badly, very badly managed. So that was just a management play and a leasing play. So that one's been been easier. That that the, the Chrysler building, which is the one that we renovated, was was tough. Alfredo's he's crazy. He's been looking at this one that is even more derelict than than Chrysler. Um and it looks like he's putting a deal together. It's it's early. I can't really say, yeah. but he's putting he, he brought in a GC and an architect. Like we've done it more. He's doing it a little bit more professional than like the the <laughs> last time. bootstrap the bootstrap way we did it, you know, last time. Uh so let's see how how that one works out. But yeah, it, that was a tough one. That was a tough one. I mean, not not something I I really would go after. It was just that it was so cheap that it was like really hard to not yeah, not buy it, you know. What's what's your thoughts on the difference between managing some of these tenants, the commercial tenants like the the retail, the office getting those leased up versus dealing with the residential? Kind of pros cons, like is there an area you're going to focus on or that look Yeah, like? um yeah, it's a great question. The the it's definitely I would say easier to manage commercial in many ways, just because you're dealing with just more professional people and business owners. Uh, it is more difficult from like a, like an administrative perspective because you are dealing with businesses that have like their own processes for payments and accounts payables and different teams that handle leasing. So depending on who, the, you know, we have a government tenants that make us go through this weird government process to like get leases renewed. So it, administratively it's a little bit more hands-on uh easier because you know you're dealing with more professional people the 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 maintenance is a lot more expensive on a commercial property just because for office for example you're paying the electricity you're paying for cleaning you're paying it's full service so you're pay, you're mm -hmm. basically paying everything so it's there's more expenses and there's more things to manage from like an accounting perspective and more vendors to manage than residential where it's just like you know mow your own lawn pay your own electricity and you're mm -hmm. good yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's got it's got its pros and cons. Okay, awesome. That's cool. So, what um, in terms of is this growing your wealth? Is this is it all in real estate? Is there anything else that you do uh, outside of real estate? That I, I am I'm pretty much 100% real estate. Um, I got some stocks, but nothing. Nothing. I mean, I don't really actively trade. And um, 
you know, the property management really kind of takes up a lot of our, a lot of our time. Uh, so yeah, just for now, for now, we're going to build up the, the real estate portfolio and, and, you know, see where that leads us. You know, the, the, the benefits of real estate are definitely, uh, they, they materialize in the long term. So the longer you hold and the more deals you do, the better position you are for success. Yeah, it's a it's a long term game. Any of that short term stuff, it it doesn't doesn't work, right? Yeah, more that the buy, hold, build, pay down debt, all that. I think that's the right. That's the key, and you know, having good partners. Like I said, I I've, from experience, I know property management is 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 a tough a tough gig, and it's, it's a hard job. So I think probably going in house if you want to grow at scale is probably the way to go. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a thankless job. You're always the enemy, even when you're trying to help people. It's a it's a tough one. Uh, but we're good at it. I mean, I've always been a good problem solver. That's one of my one of my strengths. So, yep, it's uh, it definitely helps in the property management world. What would you say one of your biggest challenges or failures so far, you know, in your investing career has been, and what did you learn from it? The biggest failure I would say is not having started managing my portfolio earlier. I, I definitely lost a lot of cash flows and wasted a lot of time trying to find a good property manager. Um, had I just started building systems earlier on, you know, our business probably would have been larger than it is today. Um, uh, and you know, you do, there's a lot of small failures in real estate. I mean, you kind of, if you start off investing with a duplex and you're the only, you know, you're the, you're the landlord and you're kind of bootstrapping it, you make a lot of mistakes along the way. That's how you learn. It's the, it's the school of hard knocks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that always leads to more opportunities and more learning and, and you can always pivot. It, it, real estate is a very forgiving uh, business because since you're in it for the long term, as long as you hold on for long enough, you can reposition and and correct any wrongs that you made over the course of holding the the, the property. So, yep. Any any tips or advice for someone who's looking to buy their first property? Yeah, just do it already. Stop wasting time. I, I hear so many people say, "Oh, I'm waiting for a crash," or "I'm waiting for values to go down." Uh, you know, I'm waiting for, for, I don't know. I mean, what are you waiting for? You're going to be waiting forever. There's always going to be something to wait for. And real estate, like I said, is it, the, the benefits of it are seen in the long term. So the sooner you buy, the sooner you will realize that wealth. And just because rates are high and just because prices are high, it doesn't mean that it's the wrong time to buy. If you can buy it and if you can hold it and if you can carry it, um, and if it cash flows, just yep. do it. I mean, just do it. When, when do you buy your first one? What year? 2009. Okay. So right after God, was that, oh, that was a house hack, right? That was a house hack. Man, yep. stuff was so cheap back then. I wish I had more money. I would have, I would have bought everything. Yep. That's awesome. And anybody who's been like in a mentor or coach in your life, like what'd you <laughs> learn from them? Yeah. Uh, my uncle, uh, he's a real estate attorney. His name is Bob. He, uh, he helped me a lot in the beginning. He was actually one of my first partners. We bought a couple duplexes together in, in the beginning. And he was, he was very, he was, he was, he was great. Cause he was very passive, but then also he would, he would, uh, you know, give a lot of advice. I mean, this guy is a real estate attorney. That's all he does. And then, you know, I read, I read a lot. So a lot of the, like the cliches, like the Robert Kiyosaki's and the, and the Gary Keller's and, you know, all mm-hmm. the well-known writers that we, you know, we, we know and love those have been great. I mean, all those books have been just amazing. Any any specific favorite book that you you found? Um, the E Myth, the E Myth by Michael Gerber is a great book. I, there's so many, man. I've, it's been like 13 years of me reading nonstop books. 
the Ristad series obviously is is classic for anybody who who ends up in this in this world. Um, more more recently, the uh, the Dan Sullivan books. Have you read those? The Who Not How and the Gap and the Gain. Yep. Those those books are awesome. Uh, there's just so, there's so many. Like I'm probably forgetting. Look at my my little library here. Yeah, there's just there's just so many awesome books. Oh, the best ever, the Joe Fairless book, the best ever apartment syndication book. That book's awesome. That helped with the syndication business. Uh, yep. I mean, I could be here forever talking about books. Yep. That's awesome. Um, cool. So where, where can listeners connect if they're interested in, in hearing, I guess, more from you, if they're interested in any, you know, even the investments you got going on? Uh, yeah, I'm on Instagram. Uh, the handle is the Carlos Rivera. Yes, I had to put a the the word the in front of my my name that somebody else had taken carlos rivera so the the carlos rivera on instagram uh, i have a twitter account also the the carlos rivera same same handle i try to post as much as i can and you know share what we're doing um i'm not the most creative person but you know i do what i can yeah awesome well it sounds like you're doing some interesting stuff especially with these office building trying to flip them around and you know could be could be a good niche and you never know where it could go so yeah man we're excited we're excited to do more deals it's gonna be awesome Cool. Well, I appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your story today. And like I said, I, th- I think it's been great to kind of hear your journey and I uh, appreciate it. Of course, man. Happy to be here. Excited. Thank you for having me. That's all we got for this episode with the Business with Beers podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is to rate the show and leave a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen. Also, make sure to link up with me on your preferred social media platforms, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can find all my links at brianbeers.com. Please just share the podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. And until next time, remember to take the actions others won't to live the life that others don't. 